Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast, our second last for this year. Uh, next week we'll do a bit of a wrap up for the year. We'll have Melinda the data nerd in town and giving us all the information from the uh, from the latest update for the final one for the year. So uh, welcome to this episode. Yeah, thanks for joining us again. Um, I'm not sure I like being called the data nerd all the time, <laughs> but um, I'm sure that the data that I do share does add value. So I'll take that label for the benefit of um, adding value to all of our listeners. But yes, as Scott said, second last uh, podcast for 2020 and what a year it's been. So hopefully this podcast will deliver um, lots of good value for you as well. And obviously that's just been the whole uh, purpose of why we started it and um, we'll look forward to bringing lots of useful um, information again throughout 2021. Yeah, I know. Look, I know I do uh, go on with the data side of it, but we do get a bit of feedback and I've spoken to a few people. They uh, they love that information um, and it does help them a lot when it comes to property. So it is useful information and um, everyone benefits from it, I hope, as well. So today we're, um, we're going to jump into something a little bit different um, to help people out here. We've got the top 10 most in-demand suburbs in Brisbane. Yeah, this is a really exciting episode. Um, A lot of people that know me or that have worked with our company, Streamline Property Buyers, know that we are very much um, research-based. So we do a lot of our own in-house research on the Brisbane property market. We are constantly keeping up to date with the data as well as what's happening on the ground. And because of my research background, we're also able to um, interpret a lot of that data and 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 see relationships forming within that data as it's happening. And this is something that we've um, seen trending just recently off the back of COVID-19 that we're going to be sharing with you. And these are the top 10 most in-demand suburbs. And there's um, relationships that we've been able to draw from this data also to help um, those of you who tune in each week to understand what are the most desirable locations and, and how are we finding this information. So um, we're, we're going to jump in and obviously give that top 10. We'll, we'll give you a bit of information on how we came became um, to rank them and how, how that's all uh, come about. So old school, get your pens ready and uh, you can write these down. Otherwise, um, <laughs> modern days, I guess you just rewind a little bit on the podcast and you can listen to it all again. So um, so can you just tell us, Melinda, how in the research side of it, how did you actually get to rank them um, to the um, to the top 10? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, to be absolutely honest, we have relied on data. We've relied on on quantitative data. So they are numbers that are available. And the research has come from the number of people who have clicked on a listing link on realestate.com searches. So this is quantitative data. It's information at a suburb level. We can see exactly Um, how many people have opened a listing or, you know, for a property that is for sale to determine how in demand a particular location is. So it's the number of visits per property and it's taken over the last 12 month period. And this data is relevant up to the end of November, 2020. So it's taken from the 1st of December in um, 2019, all the way through to the 31st of November, 30th of November, perhaps, 30th of November, 2020. So um, it's over a 12-month period and we've certainly been able to see some trends emerging off the back of COVID-19, which has been with us since late March. Yeah, so it's interesting looking at the list. Um, 
I'm lucky enough to be sitting here looking at this list in front of me with the amount of clicks and um, some information about the suburbs, knowing those areas and being locals uh, up here in Brisbane. Uh, we do know all those areas. We, we're very familiar with them. And we do see um, the amount of interest uh, that's out on at open homes in those areas. The suburbs are very, very sought after areas. And a lot of people out and about on the weekends during the week looking at open homes. So it's not a surprise at all that um, most of these um, suburbs are in that top list. So what um, what do they have in common? It's a good question. Um, I think that the biggest trend that has emerged is um, the price point of these suburbs. So when we're looking at Brisbane as a whole in terms of its median value, um, the current median value for Brisbane um, or Greater Brisbane is $568,000. Now, all of these suburbs that are in the top 10 list are well over that um, Greater Brisbane median value. And in fact, the median values for these locations are upward of I think 765,000 is the lowest median value in the list and some of them go upward to 1.6 million over for the median value. So they're definitely um, more expensive suburbs, um, but that's just interesting to, to get an understanding of who's been looking at these locations even throughout the worst of the pandemic. It's people that seem to have, you know, deep pockets and um, they're willing to spend big for for quality assets or quality homes. So just a little bit of info on the back of that for our um, uh, Southern listeners, people that are not from um, Brisbane, you're looking here, generally most of these properties, yeah, look, high seven. So around that 800 to about 1.6, it's quite a sweet spot in that area. Very popular to get a house and land um, in an established area. And generally, look, they're, they're within, apart from one, um, they're all under 10 kilometres um, or two, one or two under 10 kilometres sort of range to the CBD. So close proximity to the CBD, um, which is um, is a very common thing in them as well. So what about, um, so you've spoken a little bit there, sorry, you touched on median. Um, do you want to just give us a bit of a breakdown on that, Linda? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, you know, that, that may not understand statistics um, might look at the median and rely solely on what it tells us about property values. Now, just to give you an understanding, a median value is actually a middle score. It's the middle ranked number. So say, for example, there are uh, 20 properties that sell in a particular suburb in a given period of time. Um, the lowest sale price is ranked all the way up to the highest sale price. And in this case, the middle number is extracted as the median. If it is an even number of uh, properties that have sold. The middle two numbers are added up and divided by two, and that is the median number. So median data is used in property to avoid huge impacts from outliers. A mean is the um, other way that a middle score is typically tested, and that's the average. And we all know an average would be to add up all of those 20 sales and divide by um, the number of properties that have sold in that given period of time. But a mean or that average can be significantly impacted by outliers. So if you've got um, a particular location where you've got very high-end homes, for example, with city views, and those properties are selling over the 3 to $4 million mark, two or three sales in a particular uh, period of time can really skew an average. However, it doesn't impact um, so much on the median or the middle score. So I hope that's helped just to give you an understanding of what that middle score is made up of. Uh, but that said, a median can also have some um, 
you know, skewed information within it because a median can be impacted when sales volumes are low. And we all know at the moment that, you know, off the back of COVID-19, we've had very low listing volumes. um, And therefore, you know, some areas and some suburbs have had very low sales volumes as well. So, you know, in a particular location, if in a given period of time, a lot of properties that are at the lower end of the um, typical market spread have sold, then a median will also be influenced by what it is made up of. So it's really important to have that local knowledge and understand not just what the numbers are telling you, but what that number is made up of. And of course, you know, that that comes down to studying an area and, and understanding what is selling and um, also understanding what's selling you know, price movements from when a particular property has sold previously to when it is sold um, in the next instance, because that shows the true capital growth rather than a typical median score. So the other, I guess the other thing on that is um, some of these uh, suburbs that we're looking at, um, there's a lot of properties that some people, can, you can buy the new property and everything's established and it's, it's perfect to move into. There's also those renovators that people can buy cheaper, add, add that renovation to it. But a lot of them, they don't um, tend to sell on again. They tend to like the area um, and they actually buy, renovate and actually stay there. So that obviously has a bit of an impact that, on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, in more desirable locations, um, you know, I know, Scott, you and I, we lived in our home for over 20 years. No, we bought it unrenovated and um, we've never sold. And I think that that's very typical of the location where we live and very typical of the location of a lot of these properties in this top 10 list as well. So, you know, median values are good, but you definitely need to understand what they're made up of. Okay. So if we're looking at things in common, um, what about demographics in these? Yeah, look, all but I think a couple of the suburbs in the top 10 list are family dominated areas. So we've looked at the demographic who lives in these suburbs and we will run through the demographic in each of the locations one by one but in most instances these are locations where there are families so there's also good um, education options good schools nearby um, and lots of lifestyle precincts as well so they're the sort of locations where you can walk and grab a coffee you can walk to the local restaurant Um, you know there's lots of parkland things like that as well Um, And interestingly, the last trend that we saw, again, um, I think there's only a couple of uh, suburbs in the list that were not on train lines. Um, One of them's on the proposed metro line, but one of them's a bit of an outlier and we'll get to that one soon. But public transport seems to be a very common theme amongst this top 10 list as well. So that was something that, um, you know, shone through when we we analysed the data. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think pretty much on all of those, as you've said, lifestyle, education, um, and, and transport um, are definitely um, very important when it comes to that side of things. So should we start and reveal some? Yeah, I think that we should start at the number 10 and work our way up to the most popular suburb. What do you think? Yep. Okay. So coming in on number 10, um, now this has got over 2,000 views, um, basically from realestate.com, as we talked about. Um, it's in the west, about 7.8 kilometres west of the CBD. Um, and it's a suburb called Graceville. Yeah, so Graceville, um, when we look at that data, um, 2,071 views for every listing that's hit realestate.com in the last 12 months. Um, Compare that to the Queensland average, which is 770 views per listing. So you can see how um, much more in demand this location is in comparison to that Queensland average. So uh, Graceville has a current median value of nine hundred and thirty-one thousand 
dollars, and that's based off the um, the sales over the last twelve months. So Graceville, um, it's got some nice parkland around the area. Have we got any information? Obviously, seven what do we say? Seven point eight kilometers southwest of of Brisbane. Um, it's near the um, Brisbane River. Um, is there anything else in that area you can tell us about it? Yeah, look, a little bit of flooding in the location, so something that people need to be aware of. But um, uh, population of around four thousand six hundred people off the back of the 2016 census um, it is bordered by the Brisbane River so that's what brings um, flooding and there was some significant impact throughout the 2011 floods in that location so it's something for people to be aware of uh, but it does have its own railway station um, it's on the Ipswich and the Springwood line heading um, to the southwest of the city um, and it's predominantly a residential area um, houses are generally in that Queenslander style and um, lots of local cafes and restaurants along the main roads in Graceful, um, uh, sorry, along the main roads, which are Oxley Road and Graceful Avenue. And the cyclists that um, that like to ride through that area, there's a, a river loop that they call, um, goes through Graceville and around, follows the river around as well. So um, the, the established, like the demographics in that area? Yeah, so as I mentioned um, with a common theme in this top 10 list, the demographics of this particular location of Graceful, um, it's families. So the top three groups are established couples and families, older couples and families and maturing couples and families. Now, you know, there's lots of other population groups when we break down demographics, including elderly couples, young families, older independent individuals, independent youth, but in this instance, the top three are all families. So that's really important for people to understand. Okay. So um, the next one we move on to is um, it's actually very close by, um, right near on the on the west as well, seven kilometres just near um, Graceville is Chelmer. Yeah. So Chelmer is um, making the list coming in at number nine. We've got 2,090 views per uh, listing on realestate.com data, um, again, compared to 770 for the statewide average. Now, Chelmer is a more exclusive suburb. There's no doubt about that. Um, we've got a median value at $1.2 million for Chelmer, a lot of very high-end executive homes backing onto the Brisbane River. Um, so yeah, a very exclusive area. Yeah. So again, in that local area out there on the uh... On the southwest, um, popular, very popular with a lot of locals in that area. Again, tree, uh, trees along the streets. Um, it is quite a nice suburb, Chelmer. Um, what about the um, the demographic side of it? Yeah, so the demographics in Chelmer is very similar to um, that of Graceville. We've still got um, predominantly family groups occupying or, or dominating the top three groups, established couples and families, older couples and families and maturing couples as, and families. So um, it's not surprising the typical um, style of home is the Grand Queenslander with wooden verandas, um, you know, wide stairways and, and many of them backing onto the Brisbane River, as I highlighted before. A lot of very large homesteads in this location. Again, a suburb that did suffer badly in the 2011 floods, but, um, you know, most of those homes have been uh renovated, improved, and um, there's there's a lot of very exclusive um, homes in that location. Okay, so uh, moving moving up to number eight, um, we're on the south of the uh, CBD, about 5.8 kilometres south is um, Fairfield. Yeah, Fairfield comes in at number eight, and um, it's had 2,119 views per listing, 
Um, current median value a little bit lower in this location at $812,500. So it's more of an affordable location given its proximity to the CBD. Um, interestingly, this is one of the suburbs where the demographic is not dominated by families. So um, it, it is a little bit of an outlier in comparison to the rest of the um, suburbs that have hit this top 10 list. The dominant population group in this suburb are independent youth. Um, 22% of the demographic are made up from this cohort. We do have established couples and families um, occupy, or dominating another 17% of the population. And then we've got maturing and established independent individuals. Um, so quite a different demographic in Fairfield and not necessarily um, a, a location where we've got, you know, a lot of um, families with young children growing up. Yeah, so it's not far again, um, that Brisbane River sort of area, Fairfield, down in that area. Um, it has public transport as well. Uh, it's on the railway line, on the Beanley line. Um, but, yeah, it's lots of shops uh, and um, it's quite popular as well. Yeah, and it, just a smaller uh, population of around 2,980 people, according to the last census in 2016 as well. So up to number seven, uh, we're on the north side this time, uh, probably a suburb we might know. Uh, a little bit about. It's about three and a half kilometres north of the city, uh, a suburb called Wilston. Yeah, a suburb we called home, one of our favourites. Well, it is our favourite in um, in Brisbane. 2,373 views per listing um, and a current median value um, over the $1 million mark. It's $1,060,000 um, according to the last 12 months uh, worth of sales. So uh, Wilston is very much a family-dominated location. And in fact, when we look at the demographic in Wilston, um, it's all families again, established couples and families, maturing couples and families, and older couples and families make up the top three in terms of the population cohort. Uh, very good school catchment zones, you know, walk to local cafes, parkland, um, and a train stop directly to the CBD as well. So good accessibility. Uh, we are close enough in this location even to um, walk or jump on a bike and ride into the CBD as well, being only three um, and a half kilometres from the centre. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it down as my favourite, I guess. because Your bias. <laughs> yeah, a little bit biased. Close to the Royal Brisbane Hospital as well. Um, yeah, look, we could, we could talk about Wilson for quite a while, but um, we should probably move on to uh, the next suburb, um, which we're not moving very far, actually. We're probably going about um, half a kilometre uh, on the north side as well, and that's Newmarket. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, in, what are we, number six spot um, is the suburb of Newmarket. Now, Newmarket is right next door to Wilston, in fact. It's one train station further away from the CBD on the Fernie Grove line, uh, line I beg your pardon. Um, now, again, Newmarket's one of those um, locations where the demographic is not dominated by families. We've got a lot of independent youth in Newmarket uh, maturing and established independent individuals and then established couples and families. So um, a slightly different cohort in terms of the population makeup. There are still good schools in Newmarket, uh, but because of some of the zoning, there's a little bit more um, unit and townhouse style of homes as well. So that obviously reflects in the demographic um, based on that. But Newmarket's had 2,300... 2,430 uh, views per listing um, and it has a current median value a lot lower than Wilston just next door. Its median is $874,500. So um, there's definitely uh, some opportunity to get in close to the CBD at a more affordable price point if you're looking at Newmarket as a location. Yeah, it's got some nice parkland as well. Uh, there are some good parks in Newmarket. It's got the Newmarket Olympic swimming pool down there. 
Uh, it's been down there for a while, and I think uh, getting close to a big renovation in next year or so as well. So it is a it is a popular area in Newmarket. Um, shopping centre's just been done up with a, a cinema and everything, so it is a very popular area as well. Yeah, coming in at um, in fifth place, we're in the same pocket yet again, and um, that's the suburb of Grange, which is sort of nestled in between um, Wilston and Newmarket. They make up a, a golden triangle, I guess you could say, so five kilometres from the CBD and, um, again, very family-dominated location. Yeah, the Grange is, um, is a popular area. It doesn't have a train. Um, you need to um, drive or walk to the nearest train station. But, um, yeah, five kilometres from the CBD, 2,433 um, searches um, on realestate.com and the median at, on Grange is 992,500. Yeah, what makes Grange so popular um, is the Kedron Brook Parkway or bikeway, which, which sort of loops around through the Grange. Um, lots of families down there, lots of dog off-leash and on-leash areas and great spot for cyclists to ride all the way out from these inner city suburbs all the way out to Nudgee Beach um, to the to the east. But Grange is made up of uh, predominantly families, established couples and families, maturing couples and families and older couples and families. So again, good schools, good parkland, um, good lifestyle and amenity and, and certainly a desirable location. So I guess if you want to um, move from the Grange... Um, to the next one, which is our uh, fourth-ranked uh, suburb. And as Melinda mentioned, if you hop in the Kedron Brook and you head out on the bikeway, you can ride probably another 19 to 20 kilometres out and you'll um, you'll arrive at a coastal uh, area called, um, which is 24 kilometres from the CBD to the southeast, which is Shorncliffe. So you're a cyclist and 24 kilometres for you is um, is not going to be too hard to do go for a ride. That's not for a leisurely ride, people. That's for people that are cyclists. You can ride all the way out to Shorncliffe. Now, Shorncliffe is on the bay. Um, there's been 2,470 views per listing at uh, Shorncliffe. It is a very small suburb. Um, median value only $765,000. Um, so more affordable as well, given that it is a little bit further out. That's obviously um, reflective of that. But it's actually on the shoreline of um, an area called Bramble Bay. It's part of Moreton Bay. Um, and there's only 1,870 people that make up the suburb of Shorncliffe. So it's a very small suburb. Um, and it's got a nice little pier, a great spot for people to walk the um, dogs along the pathway uh, between Shorncliffe and the neighbouring suburb of Sandgate. So quite popular from that perspective um, and very different lifestyle to some of the inner city lifestyles. Yeah, so you can go down along Lover's Walk, I believe. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Uh, yes, and, um, and, and, on a, and on a nice clear day, it's it's actually beautiful. You can see right out, you can see Moreton Bay. Um, you can see the um, the sand hills of Moreton, Moreton Island. Uh, which is a lot of fun out that way. It's a beautiful area. Um, yeah, Shorncliffe is Shorncliffe is very popular for the people for lifestyle and great place to pop the boat in and cruise across to um, Moreton Bay for a day trip or stay at Tangaluma for a few days, which we've done in the past as well. So yeah. Shorncliffe, in terms of the demographic, um, predominantly families, but also some elderly singles. So we've got older couples and families, established couples and families, and elderly singles making up the top three. Um, groups in terms of the demographic there. So um, a population that is ageing and and therefore it tells us that the area is gentrifying as the um, elderly singles, um, the numbers continue to decline, the number of families continues to increase over time. So we can move probably into our top three. 
Um, so coming in in third is um, to the south again, six kilometres south of the city is Holland Park. Yeah, this is a big suburb, 8,000 and 11, 8,111 people according to the last census. So no train line through Holland Park, but it will benefit from the construction of the Brisbane Metro, uh, which will be running in parallel with the M1 or the M3 that runs directly into the CBD. Um, as Scott said, six kilometres to the southeast. Um, borders other suburbs such as Greenslopes, Cooperoo, Carina Heights, Mount Gravatt East and Holland Park. So it's definitely um, wedged in there. Um, there's definitely some more desirable locations with um, elevation and full uninterrupted city views. Um, I know that there's a couple of streets that are some of the most exclusive streets in um, in all of Brisbane that, that line Holland Park. So that gives you an idea of that demographic. Yeah, you get some good views from the city down there. I, I know there's cyclists out there. There's, I don't do it, but um, there's a lot that ride um, Mount Gravatt. I think it is the hill. Um, so Holland Park. Um the views on that one, 2,482 views and medium price for Holland Park, $825,000. Yeah, so a more affordable price point. And um, you can see as we get up towards that, the top two that the number of views per listing continues to increase. Um, and the demographic at Holland Park, predominantly families, once again, established couples and families, maturing couples and families and older couples and families as well. So if we move to the the, uh, the second one, now this this is a little bit of a surprise for me um, when I did see the list. Um, to the southeast of the city, 14 kilometres, um, is the suburb called Chandler. Yeah, this is an outlier in terms of the, the types of properties that you will find. Chandler's had 3,246 views per listing um, and it's got an average or rather a median value at $1.6 million dollars. The big difference with Chandler is that it's a semi-rural suburb and it consists largely of bushland um, but acreage residential properties. Now, you know, I'd love to compare this list with 12 months ago to see what change um, has been brought on as a result of COVID-19 because I, I wonder whether Chandler would have been as in demand 12 months ago, but I guess the way people are now choosing to live um, and for any that it any interested parties coming up from the likes of Sydney and Melbourne, being so close to the CBD on acreage is very appealing. And, you know, we've certainly heard anecdotally that there's been a lot of interest on some of these acreage properties from interstate buyers. And and that also could be driving up the demand for these types of locations. So Chandler's generally known um, the Sleeman Sports Complex, where the 1982 Olympic Games were held. Um, they've got the, the sport, the, the pool, I think they've got gymnastics out there. There was the old velodrome out there. They've actually built a brand new velodrome for the Commonwealth Games that they recently held. Um, so, yeah, it's it's basically known from a lot of locals that um, for the Sleeman Sports Complex um, out in that area. And, yeah, there's acreage out there as well. So who, who lives in that um, that area, Melinda? Look, the demographic matches most of the other locations in the top 10 list. We've got older couples and families, established couples and families, and maturing couples and families. So very much a family-dominated um, suburb. So a little bit different also there. If you look at, before we get to the uh, the number one, if I look at all the, the list of these properties and when people talk about what type of house is in those areas, Generally, most of them are probably areas that are going to have your Queenslanders, um, the traditional type of Queenslander that's been renovated, that type of thing, probably with the exception of Chandler again. Um, it's probably the only one that really sticks out that might not have that. Holland Park could have a little bit more brick. Post-war. Um, post-war, but 
generally most of them will have your Queenslander type of homes. So um, number one, to the north of the city, um, a very, very small suburb called Kalinga. Kalinga, yeah, it's one of the smallest suburbs in Brisbane in terms of the area. Um, it's a it's a beautiful little suburb that's surrounded by parkland. It's got some amazing little cafes and the most quaint Queenslanders ever. Now, some of these Queenslanders are on large 810 square metre blocks. Others have been subdivided. But um, when you drive the streets of Kalinga, you know you're in family paradise. So again, the main demographic are families. You can, you know, take a stroll to the park with your dog, with the pram, um, and there's a number of different options for kids to enjoy um, with playground equipment and, you know, large spanses of um, outdoor play areas as well. So Kalinga takes the number one position. Yeah, it's it's only about, I think, five, six kilometres from the CBD. Um, it, it is serviced by a train as well. Mm. Um, as Melinda said, good parks. Um, a lot of people in Brisbane will probably, especially on the north, will probably drive their kids down to that area mm. um, to play down around Kalinga Park and all those areas. Um, it is really popular, um, yeah, with cafes and um, and a lifestyle in that area as well. And Kalinga has had a massive 3,614 views for per property over the last 12 months. Uh, so that's obviously contributing to its increase in price. The current median value at $1,077,500 taken from the last 12 months of sales. So it gives you an indication, again, just you know, comparing that to the Queensland average of 770 views per listing, you can see how desirable this particular location is. And, um, you know, we've been at auctions in Kalinga where there's been, you know, 25 to 30 registered bidders on some properties. So it gives you an indication of how in demand this type of um, suburb actually is. So, um, yeah, look, that's our, that's our top 10 um, of the most demand suburbs. So people, people looking in those areas looking to buy. Um, I hope hopefully that was uh, useful for those people that don't know Brisbane. Um, hopefully that gives you a little bit more of an insight into those areas as well. Um, if you're looking in this area and you've that's a that one point you know one to one five or, or slightly above. Um, look, if you need help, get in touch with us at Streamline Property Buyers. We're happy to help out in any way we can help. Um, but I think that's a pretty good wrap for that. Absolutely. And an update. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that the one thing as a takeaway from this episode to keep in mind is that, you know, that what are the things that drive buyer demand when it comes to residential real estate? And I think that based on this list and certainly off the data that we have available to us for Brisbane for the last 12 months, it's the, the desirability of um, having family-friendly locations with, you know, good access to transport, good education options, good lifestyle options. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, affordability um, is less relevant off the back of the fact that these suburbs are all um, much higher than the, the median price point for Brisbane. So just uh, something to, to keep in mind when you're considering um, a home or an investment in our location. Yeah, sorry to the suburbs missed out slightly on that list, but um, there's always other chances and other times. So <laughs> um, look, that's about it from us. I hope you've enjoyed that, uh, that podcast for today. Uh, I'll let Melinda do a, a wrap and then we'll, um, we'll chat again next week to wrap the year up. So from, from me, take care and bye for now. 
Yeah, thanks for joining us again today. And uh, we do look forward to presenting our final episode next week, which will be a final market wrap for the year 2020. But look, until then, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to leave us a review, five stars if possible, and tell us what you like about listening and tuning in every week. Um, I'm Melinda Jennison, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.